Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcroft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we will continue our reflections into the book of Genesis. We will be in verses 14 to 19, which will really afford us to reflect into the relationship between light and dark, day and night. This is what the fourth day is all about, huh? But before we get into that, I just did want to welcome you back. Hopefully you had a blessed Thanksgiving I did get a question on the heels of Thursday's program about, well, (laughs) a question you asked as it relates to uh, Catholicism and Thanksgiving, and the question was more of an observation, really. I didn't know that the word Eucharist means Thanksgiving, and more specifically, a word that is caught up in gratitude. And, And, you know, my friends, I couldn't help but think when I saw this in my inbox that This is why (laughs) we need to be receiving the Eucharist as often as we can, because, well, what does St. Paul say? To live a life of thanksgiving is to truly live a life of blessedness, to live a life where we find ourselves in favorable standing with God. This is what the Greek word means for blessed, makarios, to be in favorable standing with God. So, yes, receive the Eucharist that you might abide in his life and his love, and that our life and the love that we share with one another might be full of gratitude. To live a life of gratitude, as I noted last week, can truly be a life changed, a life transformed, huh? All right, so with that, let us jump into verses 14 to 19, chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. There's a lot I want to talk about. So verses 14 to 19, and God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning a fourth day. So, as I've already talked about as it relates to days, and to some extent uh, years, the solar and lunar cycles really determined Uh, the agricultural and liturgical seasons of the Israelite calendar. So to appreciate the seasons, to appreciate the days, to appreciate the cycles, is to really appreciate and to start to get into the mind of the faithful Jew. I was just talking about gratitude. Well, if you're to go into Leviticus chapter 23, there you have a clear description into when and how to celebrate the seven great ancient feast days. And so, What those seven ancient great feast days uh, draw out is the relationship between the offering of the harvest 
and the season and the timing to which they would offer the harvest to God. But that being said, what I wanted to do this evening is to engage the fourth day, but as we do so, really focus in on day and night. Again, light and darkness. In my research for this evening, I came across a homily on Easter Sunday from Benedict XVI, and when I was done reading this homily, I personally was deeply moved. So, in a manner of speaking, this evening will be highly influenced by Benedict XVI, as that homily was the real point of departure for me in my own reflections. Now, some of you might ask, why Easter, right? This is the season of Advent. This is the season of a Christmas. Well, my dear friends, Easter is the feast of the new creation. So as we are reflecting into the initial days of creation, certainly it's important to talk about the new creation. Um, Easter has opened the door to a new life, right? One that no longer knows illness and death. Essentially, my friends, a new dimension with Resurrection Sunday has been opened up for mankind. Creation itself, we could say, has become greater and, and broader. Easter Day ushers in a new creation. Incidentally, at the beginning of the Liturgy of the Word on Easter night comes the account of what? The creation of the world. I love those series of readings. And we could say that two things are particularly important here in connection with the liturgy. On the one hand, creation is presented as a whole that includes the phenomenon of time. The seven days are an image of completeness, if you will, unfolding in time. They are ordered towards the seventh day, the day of the freedom of all creatures for God, and certainly we could say for one another. In the words of Benedict XVI, and I love this, Creation is therefore directed towards the coming together of God and his creatures. It exists so as to open up a space for the response to God's great glory in encounter between love and freedom. So that is one thing that one might be present to in connection with the liturgy. The second is this. What the church hears on Easter night is above all the first element of the creation account, and here is where we get into tonight's subject matter. God said, let there be light. Now, he said that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, right? And to some degree, we have talked about light, but we do need to probe deeper with this fourth day. The creation account begins symbolically with the creation of light. And as we just read, the sun and the moon are created, but when only on the fourth day, the creation account that we just read, calls them lights set by God in the firmament of heaven. So in this way, as we read this, we could see that God deliberately takes away the divine character that the great religions had assigned to them. And it's worth noting because so many of us today get caught up in thinking that these signs are what but gods. No, they are shining bodies created by the one God, huh? But they are preceded by the light through which God's glory is reflected in the essence of the created being. Everything that is created comes from the mind, the reason of God eternal. And it will reflect God eternal. So what is the creation account uh, saying here? Well, Pope Benedict XVI reflects. Light makes life possible. 
It makes encounter possible. It makes communication possible. It makes knowledge possible. Access to reality and to truth possible. And insofar as it makes knowledge possible, it makes freedom and progress possible. Certainly, and I love this, from Benedict XVI, evil makes none of this possible. Why? Because it hides. Because it hides. What are we saying here? Have you ever read at night with a nightlight? Only to have that nightlight slowly dim, and then you begin to strain your eyes, and then there just reaches a point in what you're trying to read as the light dims you can no longer read? Huh? Suddenly, knowledge was not as readily available as it was. The encounter with what you were just reading was not as readily available as it was. Why? Because there was darkness. So you slowly lose access to that encounter. And putting this into the context of the supernatural encounter with God, we can even then lose that supernatural light. Uh, what do I mean here? Let's consider this within the context of understanding and knowledge. Understanding implies an intimate knowledge where we read inwardly. Hmm? The supernatural light that allows us to understand what we might not understand through natural light. You see, my friends, our natural reason gives us a glimpse of what is good. But it is the gift of understanding that allows us to see things more clearly. Now, if understanding penetrates the deeper truths that God has revealed to us in ways that go beyond our natural powers, then it is the gift of knowledge that aids in the discernment of what does not belong to God. It is the gift of knowledge that helps us distinguish between our ego and God. So knowledge ultimately operates in the soul in such a way that helps us move away from wrongdoing when we recognize what does not properly belong to God. So when Benedict XVI is reflecting into light, making knowledge and truth possible, there is also this interior dimension where we are made to critically reflect upon the importance of the supernatural light. Here, you know, we're talking about the natural light. But this does kind of beg the question to be asked, what does this have to do with our more personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Remember, what word did Benedict XVI just use? Encounter. Encounter. We are called to have this kind of interior encounter with Christ. Very important. Now, for all of this, as we speak to it also within the natural realm, we are also made to see that light is an expression of the good, that both is and creates brightness, right? So good itself is bright, but what's more, it creates brightness. It is daylight which makes it all possible for us to act. And daylight, as we read in sacred scripture, well, is good. So to say that God created light means that God created the world as a space for knowledge and truth, as a space for encounter and freedom, as a space for good and for love. Matter, my friends, is fundamentally good. Evil does not come from God. Rather, it comes into existence only through denial. The great fall started with what? But a no, right? 
And when we say no to God, well, what did Benedict XVI already say? Is when we want to hide from God. Hide from God. But can we hide from God if we are brought into the light? No. This is the very purpose and the very function of light, to expose the darkness for what it is. Now, you've heard me talk about this within the context of a conversation between light and dark. I mean, what does that conversation look like? You know, light wants to come into a room that is 100% dark, and what does darkness say? No, you cannot come into this room because the moment you come into this room, I cease to exist. The essence of what I am as darkness ceases to exist. And so light says in response, well, for me to exist, I must be turned on. So let it be so. And then what happens? Light is turned on and the hiding is no more. The no is seen for what it is. This is the brilliance of light. So on the morning of the first day of the week, God said once again, and that is on Easter morning, let there be light. Here again, listen to the words of Benedict XVI. I love this quote here. The night on the Mount of Olives, the solar eclipse of Jesus' passion and death, the night of the grave had all passed. Now it is the first day once again, creation is beginning anew. Let there be light, says God. And there was light as Jesus rises from the grave. How about that line? The solar eclipse of Jesus' passion and death. The night of the grave had all passed. My dear friends, in the light of the resurrection, in the light of the ascension, we know that life is stronger than death. That good is stronger than evil. That love itself is stronger than hate. That truth itself is stronger than lies. The darkness of the previous days is what but driven away the moment Jesus rises from the grave and himself becomes God's pure light. But this applies not only to him, right? Not only to the darkness of those days. Because with the resurrection of Jesus, light itself is created anew. He draws all of us after him into the new light of the resurrection, and in this way he conquers all darkness. We could say, and I love this phrase from Benedict XVI, that Jesus himself is God's new day, new for all of us. You know, St. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, that we are to what? But put on the cloth of Christ. And certainly this has an allusion to baptism. We'll talk about this here in a bit. But it also has an allusion to putting on clothes each and every day. Why? Because in Jesus, every day is new. In Jesus, God has accomplished a new day for each and every one of us. And so we are to put on the cloth of Christ, the garment of virtue, taking account for what kind of lives we are to lead in the subsequent minutes and hours of that day. It is right that we reflect into this, my friends, as each and every day is caught up in this spiritual battle 
of light and dark, day and night, love and hate, truth and lies, all of it. We are swept into it each and every day. So unless we put on the garment of virtue, we might be exposed, exposed in the nakedness of our sin. But if we, of course, wear the garment of virtue, what are we doing but putting on the armor of God? Now, there is a more technical sense to what I'm talking about here. This new day. <laughs> How does this new day come about? How does all this affect us so that instead of remaining word, it becomes a reality that draws us in? Well, but through the sacrament of baptism. My dear friends, through the sacrament of baptism and the profession of faith, the Lord has built a bridge across to us. That is a phrase of Benedict Sixteenth. Another great phrase, the Lord has built a bridge across to us through which we could say a new day reaches us. You see, my friends, the Lord says to the newly baptized, let there be light. God's new day, the day of an indestructible life, comes also to you and I. This is the great gift. Christ takes you by the hand. So from here on out, we are held by him. And we walk with him as one who is the embodiment of light. And at the same time, as we walk with him, we do so into a greater light, into real life. Incidentally, here, my friends, the early church called baptism illumination. Isn't that interesting? That the sacrament of baptism is also the sacrament of illumination. Why? Because, well, what am I talking about here? We now possess the new light in the Holy Spirit. Something else here. It would be very easy for us to think of the gift or gifts of the Holy Spirit as things that the Holy Spirit gives to us, and yet somehow remains autonomous from our everyday life. No. No, my friends. When you talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and what we receive in baptism, and certainly uh, subsequently confirmation, we are talking about what we possess, His identity. We possess His identity, and oh, by the way, in this identity, He has gifts to share us. So we possess God's very identity. We possess His very light. And for this reason, when we receive this gift— that we now possess, we are illuminated. So the sacrament of baptism is called the sacrament of illumination. Why was this? The darkness that poses a real threat to mankind, after all, is the fact that he can see and investigate tangible material things, but cannot see where the world is going or whence it comes. Or for that matter, where our own life is going what is good and what is evil. In the past, I've talked about uh, the gift of wisdom. We talked about it as St. Thomas Aquinas would talk about it, how wisdom is accessed from the hilltop, that the beginning of wisdom is realized on the hilltop. Why? Because on the hilltop, or for that matter, the mountaintop, you can now see the interconnectedness of all things, not only the river, the tree, or the mountain, 
but the river beyond the river, the tree beyond the tree, and the mountain beyond the mountain. But what if you were on the mountain and you could not see because it was dark? So here, when you talk about the light, you can also speak to it in relationship to wisdom. If we don't have the light, we can climb the highest mountain, but we will not see what we need to see because it is the light that gives us access to be able to see how things are interconnected. And if we were to apply this to our everyday life, how one encounter is interconnected with another encounter. Encounter is such an important word for us this evening, as it is such an important word in the life of the church. Okay, so the darkness enshrouding God and obscuring values, this, my friends, is the real threat to our existence, and we could say to the world in general. Benedict says, If God and moral values, the difference between good and evil, remain in darkness, then all other lights that put such incredible technical feats within our reach are not only progress, but also dangers that put us and the world at risk. Today, we can illuminate our cities so brightly that the stars of the sky are no longer visible. Striking, that's Benedict XVI. Is this not an image of the problems caused by our version of enlightenment? There's a wordplay here, right? With regards to material things, our knowledge and our technical accomplishments are legion, what belongs to the adversary. But what reaches beyond the things of God and the question of good, we can no longer identify. So my friends, it is faith then, which reveals God's light to us, that we can say is the true enlightenment, enabling God's light to break into our world opening our eyes to the true light. You know, we talk about sin as darkness. We should then also speak of uh, purity as light. I think purity is an important image for us because what do we read in that all-important beatitude? Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall, what? See God. See God. Well, you cannot see God if you remain in the darkness. So purity becomes an important image for us. And we must remember that when you talk about what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross was none other than a restoration of purity, a restoring of purity, bringing us back to creation, right? Adam and Eve, before they fell, were pure, so they saw God. They chose against God, and suddenly, suddenly they were stained with sin. Incidentally, the Greek word for purity is what? Kathados. Kathados isn't just to be pure, to be modest. It's that, yes. But the Greek itself literally translates as to be one thing or without mixture. Without mixture, that what is pure is not mixed with what is stained with what is impure. If our purity is stained, it darkens what was once white, what was once pure, and no longer reflects the purity of God. So this is why that beatitude is so important to our discussion as we reflect into this all-important theme of, of light and dark that 
comes to us from verses 14 and 19. Okay? All right. We are out of time. If you have any questions, thoughts, comments, observations to what I'm talking about here, I know we kind of went from the Old Testament into the New Testament a little bit, but this is what we're going to be about here. Um, From one day to the next, we are going to spend a great deal of time getting into the literal sense of what is going on in the creation narrative and in the book of Genesis. But from time to time, we will do what we did this evening, kind of take the principal theme of what is going on in a series of verses and then cast that into the light, pun intended, of Christ. That in turn, Christ might reveal to us some of the things that we need to be thinking about. And I just, by the grace of God, go why invoke the presence of the Holy Spirit to be guided and to be led into the things that we need to be talking about, that they might lead to questions, questions that are on your heart. And if questions aren't being answered, don't hesitate to ask. Um, It is always about responding to your questions. So if you have any questions about just not the book of Genesis, but about the Catholic faith or Christianity in general, please do not hesitate to send me an email and I will look to respond to it as soon as possible, and if you are okay with it, bring it on air. And it doesn't have to be relegated to Thursday, Special Topic Thursday, where I respond to your questions. If it's certainly within the context of what I'm talking about here on Mondays and Tuesdays with the book of Genesis, I will take that up, okay? Alrighty, with that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious God, we do just give you a special thanks and praise for the gift of another evening, the gift to be able to reflect into the richness of your word. We ask for that special grace to come into our hearts, that grace of light, that indeed it might pervade our souls, and in doing so, we might see what you want us to see in each and every encounter. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.